Welcome back, guys, to the Chaos Creed podcast, where I bring you committed messages for the rebel-minded and take my position as a messenger to inspire you to find your purpose and follow your creed. Hello to you all on this fantastic Saturday. Um, <laughs> I hope everybody's doing well. Um, it's... <laughs> It's been a rough few weeks I haven't recorded until just now, and now even coming back to it. The reason I'm laughing, actually, is because I've figured out how tedious the things are about starting something new, like a podcast, and the little things like your dog licking his own paws in the background, the air conditioning, maybe not having a pop filter like I should, maybe having my gain too high, all these little things that um, affect how everything plays out and how clear everything comes out. So bear with me because I have a weird feeling that there's going to be some background noise and I'm going to do my best to make sure that it doesn't enter the podcast. But such is life and I can't wait to start this one with you guys. I started this one basically talking about control, courage, and confidence, and what those looked like to us and my experiences. And then because it was so long, I decided to split these up. And in part two, I'll actually talk about what it kind of means to incorporate those into our life and what it means to benefit from them, how we can see the changes, and how we can make them work to our advantage. So, Here's part one of episode eight. All right, guys, it's going to be another good day today. I do have problems with the winter. I have judgment against it, and I'm learning my best this season to embrace it. Minus the fact that I don't get to ride my motorcycle anymore because I live in Idaho. But here we are. And so let's get on top of this next episode. Let's get started. And the three things I want to talk about are control, courage, and confidence. Now, control to me is the one thing that most of us think we have, but we really live without. Courage is the thing that most of us think we have, but rarely practice. And our confidence is the thing that most of us wish we had, but fake in order to seem perfect. Now, this is my disclaimer. I speak from a perspective, as always. I'm not saying anyone doesn't have these three C's. I'm not shaming anyone for not being great at them, nor am I claiming that I have them conquered. I don't by any means. I'm human. I'm only bringing to the surface what most of us men have a hard time facing. Because in reality, what most of us men are great at is having control, courage, and confidence. It comes kind of naturally to us. It's what we're best at, which is usually our quote-unquote man skills. And burying all the things that we suck at, honestly. We cover up the control, courage, and confidence that isn't easy and play as if it doesn't exist. There's a different part of it. There's a different side to these three. It's like burying a live piece of us, but just below the surface, where you can tell something is there if you really look hard enough, that you can hear if you listen hard enough, and something that will live forever. Because it shall breathe as long as you do. So let's face these things here today and unbury that coffin and learn to make it our ally instead of keeping it as an ugly stepchild we can't stand, locked away in a box. That's not control, by the way. 
That's tyranny over a piece of your own being. <laughs> so visualize that if you must. Let's get this box to the surface then. Get ready to breathe it all in, gentlemen. I've spent a lot of years practicing these three, the control, the confidence, and the courage, and actually most of us men really have. Honestly, it's just without even knowing that we really were, as we all do, I think, really. But awareness is a key to real progress. Our awareness of what we're even practicing is what really sharpens the edge of our sword and turns us into the deadly weapon of truth that we all dream to be. Jesus, man, when I really think about it, these things were non-existent for me as a child. I mean, at least the knowing of them. Control, we have none as an eight-year-old, apart from putting on our own pants, tying our own shoes, and answering mom's question of whether we want grape or strawberry jelly on our PB&J. Oh, and no crust, mom. Control is not really even a concept way back when. Our lives are basically led by our parents, our coaches, and our teachers. For the most part, they know best. They've been through it, and they'll collaborate to make sure you survive into the yonder years. What could I really control as a child? My control went hand in hand with the trust and responsibility that I gained from my mom. First, it's what you want to eat and what sports you want to play. Then it's about what you'll wear to feel confident in your own skin as a teenager, how much part-time work you'll do to pay for gas and a cell phone. Then it turns into control of your own work ethic and a job, the persistence and work you'll put into a relationship, and what money you'll spend on your toys and trips and still be able to pay your bills, right? Control is the baby brother to the other two, in my opinion. The world forces us to learn what control means and how we incorporate it into our day-to-day. -day. However, it has the potential to make a huge difference with the larger decisions in our lives. And these decisions that are part of creating this control, this potential control, comes from realizing what we're really trying to control, what it is that we're really trying to make ourselves the best at and make our lives the best at. My greatest control really gets credit from my mother and the connection between her and I strengthened when my stepdad left when I was 14. It was a hard time for my mother, definitely a hard time for my half-brother because that was his real dad, but what I remember is how much my mom cried and how sad she was for the year or two after that until she got a boyfriend but she trusted me to be me. I think she knew that she had raised a child that had a heart that didn't want to hurt her. A lot of decisions I made were based on how it would affect my own mother. I respected her. She's all I had. I only wanted to be right by her. In return, she had confidence in giving me trust and responsibility. I had a full life of control then. I was doing part-time work after school, even before I could drive. I was earning my own way for the most part. My mom helped me with getting work in the beginning, and I flew with it. I could pay for my first phone and the gas in my car that I could go anywhere with. It was rare that my mom didn't know exactly what I was doing, and I didn't want to hide anything from her anyway. My mom trusted me to become an adult with my own expectations in my teenage years, and that only strengthened our bond. This control is what led me to having any sort of courage and confidence as a teenager and as a growing adult. So... On to courage confidence. Courage. Hell yeah, we had courage as little guys. This is where little boys are at our best, dude. 
we have to have courage to do just about everything for the sake of being tough, for the sake of our friendships. And really, I wasn't even the most courageous. I didn't have as much as my brother or any of my friends. They jumped bikes further. They fought all the fights. They are the ones that had the courage to really push the boundaries of right and wrong. Me? Nah. I was scared out of my mind of my dad and stepdad. Intimidation factor coming at ya. I was a forward thinker. Mostly. But through all this, courage is almost forced as a young lad. It's so strongly instinctual. It's nearly impossible to resist the call to be courageous. It's almost like a drug. It pulls you in. You have to win. You have to have confidence to defy all odds of breaking an arm or worst, disappointing mom. I did have my fair share of courageous moments. Some of them ending just outside the realm of worth it. Aftermath and collateral damage can always test the worthiness of action. I almost ran a friend's car off the road and into a ditch after I thought I had completely gotten past them in my race car, in my race car, aka my 1992 Honda Civic hatchback. I almost drowned trying to save our family lab Tootsie in a check in a ditch that ran behind our house. Yeah, my whole 110 pounds jumping into basically a tiny waterfall with an undertow strong enough to sweep my feet from under me every time I tried to gain my footing. I swallowed a lot more water than air in those brief moments, and our family dog lost her life. I was crushed. I was crushed to my failure. To lose an unconditionally loving being by your own hands sucks. Man, did I cry. Honestly, at that age, 16, I couldn't hold it back. I cried after I barely pulled myself out of that check by some miracle and I was digging my fingernails into the cement walls that encompassed that surging water. And as I turned back to see our family pet struggling and tumbling, choking down more and more water than air, I had to make the decision to try again to save her or run for help. At that time, my grandparents lived right next door to us. And so that was the first thing I thought to was to go to my grandpa because I knew I was home. I cried in shame as I left her, tumbling in that check hoping she could hang on just long enough for me to get help. Someone larger, someone stronger than myself. What a fool's thought it was, honestly. But I was desperate. After I came running back with my grandpa, our dog's lifeless body had already been pushed out of the check, and as we jumped into the ditch to pull her out, my heart was pounding and my mind was just begging for mercy. I don't even know if I was asking God. I was just begging. My grandpa tried for minutes to try and save her, blowing air into her mouth the best he could and giving chest compressions over and over. I'm not even sure how long I cried after that, but even then, my courage wasn't enough to save a life. Of all things relatable, I think that set in motion a future of reluctance that changed how I took action on many things, or the lack of action, I suppose. Now, confidence, this is a feeling, a belief, a throne worth conquering. Confidence creates so much for us as men. It will make or break a lot of situations. It will help us decide the paths we take, the people we do or do not let into our lives, and really it's what's behind our overall happiness. Confidence is deeply wired into our lives, and the lack of it can cause a misery that is crippling. But don't despair. 
learning confidence really isn't as hard as it seems. And this is coming from a guy that has had confidence issues most of my life. I didn't have much as a younger version of Zachary, and I don't feel bad about it now. I may have shamed myself for it being such an issue, but realizing what control I have of it has really made me appreciate when and why I didn't have it when I was a boy, a teenager, and even all the way up into my late 20s. My lack of confidence was caused by multiple things that I've just recently in the last few years discovered and am doing my best to find antidote for now. There was so much anger and aggression from my father figures. And if you can relate, listen up. I became habitual about folding myself into keeping from creating anything for them to be angry about. You're damned right that would create confidence issues. For me, as a boy, looking to the men that were supposed to be fortifying my personality and teaching me the fundamentals of being a man, and I was getting so much of the opposite. I felt shame, I felt hurt, I felt lost. I didn't know how to act, authentic or not, because I was always being told what I shouldn't do, being threatened with physical beatings, and being intimidated by aggressiveness. If I was to endure this, as a lot of us boys have, then it could have at least been offset by moments of love, of connection, of understanding, but I remember very little of that. I wonder now if it's just me trying to justify my own lack of confidence. And maybe I am. But there has to be reasons why I remember pain more than I remember happiness. Why I remember intimidation more than I remember support. Even thinking about it hurts my heart now. Where was it? What was I doing wrong to receive more of one than the other? One of the biggest turning points for me was an interaction I had with my own father. Momentary flashbacks that I'll never forget. Before I proceed, I want it to be known that this is one-sided. There's only my perspective in this, and a lot of haze, and a lot of emotion. Looking back, as I've done many times for a reflection, my biological father was always stressed. He always was enduring anxiety, always worried about money, worried about his time with me, worried about his family. It created the man that was my father. And probably many other things that I may not even know now. But I think it reflects how easily affected we are as children. We have yet to understand perspective and emotional intelligence and responsibility of that magnitude. So I was only ever visiting my father in the summers. That was our time. And I was his first child. His first go-around at being a father. What he really wanted was for me to be with him, at his hip, so that we could experience together. He had only weeks with me to connect. To me, I was on vacation with my father. I was away from homework. I could do anything I wanted. My dad would take me fishing, canoeing, swimming, crawfish hunting, playing with my cousins. This is what I grew to know for my summers. So looking back to this day, reflecting, this day was hot and humid. If you know anything about the southern states, you know breathing down there means you better have gills. And this was a struggle for me. I live in Idaho, far drier, and it was hard for me to beat that heat sometimes. Well, it was morning and my dad was already outside working. I can't remember what on. It was his old Bronco, I think. And I leisurely woke up and decided to watch cartoons. I don't even remember what the cartoons were. The house was cool and we hadn't planned anything. 
I was just going to watch TV until Dad came in and decided to start his day with me. Little did I know, that's not at all how he saw the morning. He came in after a while and didn't say anything to me, just gave me a glare. Sort of scared me, to be honest. And after he came in for something, then stepped back outside, I continued on, just enjoying myself. Minutes later, he came back in again, pointed his finger at me and scolded me for watching TV and not being outside to help him work. My father has always intimidated me. I was always in fear of him. Even when we were enjoying our days, I was always afraid of doing something wrong and had to feel his wrath. That finger that he pointed at me had been a staple of that intimidation. I knew it meant trouble, and I knew it meant making the choice. And making a choice he didn't agree with meant a belt or a stick to my ass. It's just what I grew to know. Now, my dad whipped me many times. So had my stepdad home in Idaho. He'd also been mad and threatened me many times, just the same. But for some reason, this situation terrified me more than most. And although I did as he said, I was already plotting a way to get back home. I was scared. After some time, he set in front of me some chores he wanted me to accomplish, which included his laundry, but I had never done it before. Mom always did it back home. My cousin, two years younger than me, decided to show me how. We threw in soap and bleach on dry clothes, mind you, into the wash, picked a cycle, and turned it on. That only compounded my dad's fury when he found the white splotches in his shirts and pants. My fear was at its max. My intimidation factor was at its max, and I secretly found myself in my room with a closed door calling my mom to tell her how afraid I was and how much I wanted to be home. This is a huge turning point in my life, a point where I decided to cowardice out of the situation instead of following through and talking to my dad and getting through this. So my mom made up a lie, called my father and told him I needed to be home for some kind of appointment. Whatever appointment it was doesn't obviously matter. Before we even got to the airport the next day, my dad had obviously connected the dots and told me how mad and disappointed he was that I'd done that. I curled up in the corner of the back seat, trying to put as much distance between him and me, keep my mouth shut as tight as if it was sewn together. Now when I get scared, intimidated, pressured by letting someone down, my mind loses track of all ability. This is what affects me now and has affected me since then. And only now, figuring out what it was, have I been able to find antidote for my reoccurring problem over so many years. Mistakes start to compound and pile up until I'm out of the situation. Not a good look for me. Ever since then, situations of that magnitude cause me amazing amounts of internal stress, and I close up just the same, doing my best to just get through the moment, the work, or whatever pressurized tank I'm in. So there's a lot in this podcast that is just about relatability. And I did that on purpose because I wanted to try to find something for you guys to connect to. Thanks for joining me today, guys. It was just about experience today. I hope I had something to relate to all of you. Next week, we'll go over what it really means to pursue control, courage, and confidence in our lives. Until next time, gents, you can find me at Creed Soldier to see all the thoughts that I put out there to challenge the men of today on Instagram. FYI, my blogs are still coming. I'm currently transitioning my webpage. And that will be the new spot to find all of me and the Chaos Creed movement, including my blogs. Until next time, guys, stay strong and stay rebel-minded.